Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up and coming directors and writers of new neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. I mean, you break stuff and then you just sweep it in like press play. Well, that's true. I mean, because you have to, well, not play, hit record. Well, it's whatever. It's, it's a bit rude, isn't it's it? Complete... It's like, oh, I broke everything, so yeah. just crack on. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else are we well, supposed to I do? I didn't we could break sit... it. We could... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you touch the least amount as possible in order to break stuff. So it's not fair. You can't compare the two. It's not my fault that I'm Charles Xavier and I can break shit with my mind. Oh, so okay. <laughs> how is that my fault? Are you victimizing me for being an X-Man? So no, Well, I'm more like Wolverine. I break everything. So <laughs> Very true. All right. Very here we true. are trying to make ourselves much cooler than we actually are. That makes total sense. <laughs> Pretending we're X-Men. Right. <laughs> All right, Noir fans, we're back again with uh, another episode. Um, this time, we're going to be taking a look at a film that was suggested to us by a uh, listener, uh, Carlos Estevan. Uh, thank you for the suggestion. We, uh, we enjoyed checking out this film. Um, and uh, we're going to uh, delve into that uh, in just a few minutes. But first, let's uh, look at what we're going to be drinking today. This one is particularly for this episode because there's a, a one particular scene in this film where people sleep together and I'm just like, what in the hell is happening? <laughs> like, why? Why is this happening? So I picked this I picked this drink called Between the Sheets, <laughs> particularly for this this episode. So okay? subtle. Yeah. So subtle. <laughs> This drink is a brandy drink and our my arch enemy contrary. Oh I like I like brandy. Yeah. And contrary. Contrary. I see I don't know. It's your accent makes it hard for me to understand what you're saying there. Contrary. Yours you are saying it wrong, not me. Right. I'm definitely saying it wrong. I'm not gonna deny that. <laughs> <laughs> contrary. Contrary? Contrary. I think we would say like contra. Ah, oh, to bug off because you're making me not be able to say it right. <laughs> Daryl's going to love this. Uh, Daryl, if you're out there listening, I, I know you know what it is and I know you know how to say it. Please, we need you to that, come on I, the show, yes. Daryl, just to explain to me how to pronunciate things. <laughs> I feel like Daryl should be our pronunciation. Yeah, guy. We, need a, we need a sidekick here just to chime is what in. what we will say. Yeah, it just seems like, Jason, it's Contro. Yep. And then that's it. That's all we need them for. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So here we go. Between the sheets. It's a half ounce of... No, sorry. Scratch that. It's one and a half ounces of brandy. One ounce of rum. A half ounce of contro. Contreu. Contreu. Whatever. Insert Daryl pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> We're just going to have to have a voiceover. Um, <laughs> a half ounce of simple syrup. It's our crushed up bugs, uh, according to Street. Yeah. Um, half ounce of fresh squeezed lemon juice. This might be actually pretty good. Let's check this one out. Yeah, if we can um, take out the crushed bugs. Yeah, I don't have any brandy right now. I drank it all the other day, so I, I can't really make this. Actually, I don't think I have any rum either. Because <laughs> you drank it all the day. Time for a trip to the <laughs> it's store. It's all done. <laughs> so with this drink, you add ice and water to a cocktail glass to chill the glass. Add ice to the tin side of a Boston shaker. In the mixing glass, add brandy, rum, coin treu, <laughs> lemon juice, <laughs> and simple syrup. Pour the contents of the mixing glass into the ice tin and secure the glass to the tin. Shake the contents until the ice sounds different. <laughs> and the contents are cold. Open the Boston shaker, empty the cocktail glass, then strain the contents of the shaker into the empty glass and serve. I feel like they're all made the same. I don't even know. I don't have to read this anymore, right, folks? 
I'll say this is another Boston Shaker drink, so do that. <laughs> I feel like when this is all over, we should set up like a cocktail bar, which is just like the ice is going to sound different. Put it in a Boston <laughs> Shaker. Here's some crushed bugs. I mean, <laughs> there's right, your so, beer. So here's um, what we're going to do. next. The, ne- the next episode that we do, I'm going to have all the ingredients in front of me. Right. Oh and I'm I'm gonna make the drink on air, all right, so we can hear the ice difference. Please, and I want to see the ice difference as the well. The thing, the thing that I fear <laughs> is that I'm gonna be shaking this damn thing for like a half an hour, <laughs> waiting for the ice to change sounds, and it's not gonna happen. And we're <laughs> never gonna finish the episode. Um, or my arms are gonna fall. I don't know what, but <laughs> I mean, well, that's a fucking treat for the listeners, isn't it? The next episode, yeah, we'll, Jason we'll shaking ice it. for half an hour. It's gonna suck because you know people will skip the commercials at the beginning of an episode, and they're gonna <laughs> skip it till all the hair is, <laughs> and it's gonna go on for like ten minutes, and they're gonna be like, "What the hell is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I'm, I'm maybe I'm sick that day. <laughs> I don't think I can do that episode. <laughs> that one's just you. Yeah, it'll just be clack, 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 and Carly just yep. cackling in the background. <laughs> I'm cackling now. Cack- <laughs> just at the thought of it, I'm cackling now. <laughs> All right, so here we go, guys. We're going to uh, we're gonna be talking about the film Point Blank. Uh, and here is the trailer. That was the... Oh, what are you drinking there? Bud Light? No, Aldi cheap beer. I don't know what that is. Aldi? Yeah, have you got like a brand called Galahad? 
over no. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's amazing. It's because we're not British. Yeah. You suck balls. <laughs> it costs like two pounds and it is so nice. Two two bucks for like a six pack or what? Uh, two pounds. So that's like what? One dollar fifty for four. For four. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So nice. Actually genuinely tastes nice. All right. <clears throat> All right. That was the trailer for Point Blank, which is a 1967 film. Uh, directed by John Borman, uh, starring Lee Marvin, co-starring Angie Dickinson, Keenan Wen, and Carol O'Connor. Uh, it was adapted from a 1963 crime noir pulp pulp novel. Pulp. <laughs> Man, I need speech therapy. Uh, it was adapted. <laughs> it was adapted from a 1963 crime noir pulp novel, <laughs> The Hunter, by Donald E. Westlake. <clears throat> But he was using a pen name, which was Richard Stark. Interesting. Uh, Borman directed the film at Marvin's request, and Marvin played a central role in the film's development. Uh, The film was not a box office success in 1967, but it has gone on to become a bit of a cult classic. Um, The film was also recently, well, not necessarily recently, but four years ago, it was uh, deemed culturally historical or aesthetically significant uh, by the United States Library of Congress. Um, And it was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. We seem to be covering a lot of films that were selected for the National Film Registry, which is cool. I think that's awesome. Um, This, this, this film, this is a, uh, this is a tough one because it's in, it's, it's, (laughs) I don't even know how to begin with this one. It's, it, it's very trippy. It is. It's it's very of its time, 60s psychedelic uh kind of movie. So much so like the first half hour I'm literally like what the fuck is happening? Like I I I don't know. I didn't know what I was watching really. Was this real? Is it like the way time passes in this movie and the way that it's shot at least in the first part of it? is really strange and different. And at the time, I know that that was probably okay. And it made sense because we're talking about the sixties and, you know, that sort of culture. Yeah. It's got like the look of kind of like a gritty cop drama of the sixties, seventies. But at the same time, there's so many moments of just like almost neo-noir, like, when they're in the bathtub and he drops all the perfume in there and it just makes this weird kind of crazy mix of colours and there's so many scenes that are like film noir, but it's kind of just wrapped up in this psychedelic bundle of madness. See, I would have like, I would have considered that one more of the madness of the 60s and the psychedelic, the colours and the swirls and the weird stuff like that very much was a juxtaposition to me to when he's in the nightclub with the crazy red lights, like shining on his face and like going crazy. That, like that to me was more that than necessarily noir, but there are definitely noir factors to this film. There's, there's the guy who's double crossed. His wife is taken. Yeah. You've got like the false woman, you've got double crossing revenge, ambiguous ending. You've got, everything for a film noir and and you know i mean <laughs> oh can i do my uh, synopsis in a nutshell? oh yes how could we possibly have forgotten that uh, carly i mean how damn us, rude yeah how damn it <laughs> <laughs> just giving you fuel all right <clears throat> so carly if you could give us your super special famous uh fam- yeah okay super yeah whatever just fucking do it <laughs> okay you ready After being double-crossed and left for dead, the original Terminator (laughs) brings down a crime syndicate (laughs) without ever killing any members. (laughs) You're getting weirder and weirder. No, no. It was was Van Damme before and now it's the Terminator. (laughs) I'm lost in the world. I'm gone. I'm gone. Oh my gosh. I would have said like the original Charles Bronson. I was going to go with that, but actually, he is a fucking Terminator, man. I mean, shots just bounce off him, so. 
<laughs> he is made yeah. of metal, so people just fly off buildings when he's around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he never fucking kills anyone, so Well, he kind of killed that dude. <laughs> well, yeah, we kind of didn't though. So bit ambiguous. Again, film noari. Bit ambiguous. It's true. All right, all right. He definitely would have been a suspect. <laughs> yeah, he was he was on the top ten. <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, <clears throat> Did you like so, that one? Yeah, that was yeah. that was interesting. I don't know if I liked it, but it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting as as the thirty nine steps. I'll put it, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was good. Uh, it was different. Um, you know this uh, this film starts off in such a a strange avant garde kind of way, almost almost as if still pictures. Um. You know, it almost felt like it was like a photography session than really the opening of a film. Like it felt like so much of the composition was, you know, more about capturing these images necessarily than what was happening because it was it was very convoluted and yeah and uh, not uh, not explained well as like what's happening. Uh, you eventually kind of get it. But um, it, it was it was definitely strange and it has some interesting photography, just some just some weirdness, you know, and that's very much the 60s in a lot of ways. When it comes to film, they were just they were doing things different. They were experimenting. They were trying new things and new ways of storytelling. And I get that. And in today's sort of like film going, um, you know, experience, things are very, very different and audiences are not as inclined to accept uh, the weirdness, you know, uh, the strangeness, the, the different ways of storytelling. And I can only imagine like being a filmmaker back then, how freeing and uh, liberating that would really be to be as a filmmaker, to, to have that freedom to, to do that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not saying that it all makes sense or is, you know, great, but there's definitely a, um, a respect to the to the style of, of filmmaking and, and how they were telling the story because it, it really throws you see that that's very interesting because i think it all makes sense if you accept the fact that he's dead well or dying yeah i you know i i, I kind of i see that aspect to it but i also think it, i think it was more about the hyper reality and the sort of drug-induced culture of the time. Because if you notice throughout this movie, everybody's taking drugs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's whether it's uh, street drugs or pharmaceuticals, like everybody's got a pill bottle yeah. on their nightstand. And oh, that yeah. was one of the main things I noticed, like right off the bat, like this must have been that period of time where it's like it became completely acceptable to medicate. Uh, not necessarily just, you know... Um, you know, for fun, for partying or, or that sort of thing, but also uh, to try to make your life better, to escape realities, to, you know, not feel stressed. Yeah, I think that's the main thing, escaping reality. Mm -hmm. Like everybody that needed to kind of escape a trauma right. was taking drugs. Yeah. yeah. Um, even even our main bad guy, uh, Carter, um, you know, there's a scene where he's talking and he just casually walks over and takes a couple of pills. We don't know what the hell they are. You know, he could be, you know, whatever. He's got a heart problem. I don't know. But with everything else that's going on, it's like everybody's medicating some way. And it was pretty interesting to to sort of see that on screen in that way and it not be a big deal. It's just what's happening is the culture kind of thing. It's not like it's made out to be good or bad or anything. It was just it was just there, yeah. um, you know, but then you have the the craziness that's the 60s and this the nightclub and the the lights and the go-go dancers and the, the, the Motown singer and like all these different sort of like almost like a, a boiling pot of cultures in a way, um, which I thought was really cool and really interesting, but really fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, it's so out there and, and strange. And then he's like breaking legs and, <laughs> you know, hurting people. And what, what I found was so interesting was like the, the the soundtrack and the music was just so like it got in your bones. Yeah, I, I, it was. It was when you were watching it, the soundtrack and the music and the the FX and everything like that was just like, oh my god, I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack myself. I feel like I'm in the freaking club. 
<laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, my son had walked in while I was watching towards the end of it. And he's a musician. Um, he's, you know, he, he's uh, in, in band and jazz and, you know, does, does a bunch of different things with uh, like orchestral instruments and whatnot. And he was really interested in the soundtrack and I don't like it. <laughs> I thought it was terrible. <laughs> So I'm watching it. And then that's just me, like 60s and 70s movies in particularly. I think the soundtracks are not everything, but a lot of them are just so overbearing and over the top. And I just I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, and if I am, it's usually like horror films uh-huh. uh, that, I, that I like the most when it comes to soundtracks. So this one like graded on me. This was like I did not care for the soundtrack. Um, but. Speaking of the nightclub, we have a gentleman in there on stage. <laughs> that just cracked me up, man. He's up there screaming and scre- just oh, like God, yeah. nonsense. And then he's doing this little crowd interaction thing where he has one of the actors, you know, sort of repeat after me or like continue doing whatever. And it just it cracked me up. I thought it was so hysterical. But um, Do you know what I thought was the most hysterical thing? What's that? When he tortured the sale, the car salesman. <laughs> Yeah. Like when he is like, oh, I feel like I want to buy this car, and then he takes him out on a fucking ride yeah, and like- completely destroys the car. I mean, my god, man, that car was worth the money. It took some fucking battering. <laughs> buy the damn car because you rammed it into eighteen different things, and it's still going. It's like crazy. Buy the car. Buy the fucking that- car. It was completely a dirty, hairy moment. It was like, it was. what is he doing? <laughs> I'm like, he's either going to get arrested. I mean, this movie's over. <laughs> I, I That was genuinely, I think, maybe my favorite scene of the whole film. Torturing that guy in the car, like, oh, let's go for a spin. And then just smashes <laughs> it into every available thing that he can. <laughs> and the car is still going. He's like, oh, well, we'll still go. Yeah. <laughs> Forwards, backwards, left, right. <laughs> he was oh, I thought that was brilliant. I thought, that, and the guy was so upset that his car was getting like <laughs> smashed to smithereens. <laughs> that is the best way to torture somebody. <laughs> Smash that car up. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I loved it. Honestly, that was my favorite scene. I think of the whole film was was that. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. I like I like that scene too. It was fun. I did enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he does take us for a ride in this movie. <laughs> he does. He does. Definitely. Yeah. There, you know, I, I was, I was completely thrown with early in the film with his wife. He comes back and he obviously is like thinking that his wife is, you know, betting the guy that, you know, tried to shoot and kill him. Um, and so he just like busts through the door Throws her to the ground, starts shooting up the bedroom, thinking he's probably in there, right? Which is completely ridiculous, you know. But um I don't know, it depends if you're a nutcase or not. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like it's like he got it into his head, this guy is laying in bed. <laughs> like, I mean, he could have been anywhere in the house. Yeah, you know? it seemed like nine <laughs> o'clock in the morning. He's probably not in bed, but yeah, whatever. It's just it was just weird. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, oh, he's not here. Oh, okay. And then, you know, causes her to have a mental breakdown, take sleeping pills and and kill herself. Now, it just all of a sudden seemed like time passed weirdly at that moment. Like he walks out, she's dead. And then he walks into another room and then all of a sudden all the furniture is gone in the room. And, and it was just like, what is happening? Like, and, and at that point, it was like, okay, this must, is this a dream? Is, is this all fake? You know, like, I don't, I started to lose grasp on what was real and what wasn't. And I think that was sort of the effectiveness of this being a, a movie of the 60s, um, you know, and sort of keeping you on your toes as to what's going and what, you know, what, what's real and what's not. Um, but it did start to kind of come together. You do start to sort of like get a, a stronger grasp on things. And um, it's not it, it sort of has that twist ending, you know, uh, once you get to the end, like the, the whole entire movie basically is not his reality. 
you know, in a real standpoint, you know, everything that he's doing, he thinks he's doing for his cause, but he's actually a puppet on strings, you know, doing the bidding of someone else and just doesn't realize it. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting sort of uh, concept there that they that they did. So, hey, Carla, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. All right, guys, we're back and we're going to keep talking about this film. It's it's a bit of a slow film, though, as much as action is in this film, there there's periods of just drawn out. Stuff to me that. Again, it's very 60s in that way. But really, I think the film would have been stronger because it's not a short film. It would have been much stronger uh, had they cut out a lot of the nonsense um, because it didn't really like connect to anything. It was just it was just drawn out for the sake of it. But it gets going in its own way. But then, then there's some weird stuff after it really gets going. Like when he starts looking for uh, for the guy that shot him and, and, you know, took his wife or whatever, when he teams up with his wife's sister, basically is when things really start to kind of take off for me. Yeah, I really enjoyed that relationship between the two of them that they had. Like, especially when she, like, beats the crap out of him and then sets <laughs> everything off in the fuck. I mean, she's... I, I have said before, Frank Sinatra is my spirit animal. She's my spirit animal. She trumps Frank Sinatra, setting everything else in the house off to drive him insane. Yes, girl. <laughs> But why? Like, that I didn't understand enough. it. I thought that no, was... there was there was no reason to it. But I just thought, yes, girl, don't you don't take his crap. <laughs> you set everything what off. What crap did he give her? That's what I don't understand. Like, that scene was so ridiculous. That's, that's why I picked this week's drink is because between the shit, like all of a sudden she's beating the shit out of him. He's like, I don't care. And he sits down and watches TV. Like, there's no rhyme or reason. Why did she start hitting him? I did like that scene, though, where two of it well they weren't even talking but the whole kind of like dialogue was spoken through what he was watching on tv which i thought was incredible i i can't say that i've ever seen that before in a film i i must not have really caught that <laughs> yeah no the, when they when they're like having their little no, I know, I know, off. I know the moment you're talking about, but I, I didn't yeah. really catch the put, conversation. With and the he TV. puts the TV on, yeah. and he's flicking through the channels, mm -hmm. and the dialogue that is on the TV is kind of what he would say to her. Interesting, yeah. I, and I thought that was, I genuinely thought that was freaking brilliant. I'd have to, I'm gonna have to rewatch. I definitely am gonna have to rewatch this film because it's something you really need to kind of pay attention to. Um, yeah. Not kind of. You do need to pay attention to it. Um, yeah. Because that's one of the things that I probably missed. And maybe I got up and got another cup of coffee or whatever. I don't know. Um, but uh, that whole scene to me is just weird. Like I didn't understand why all of a sudden she's pissed at him and starts beating him up. Why they don't say anything to each other. And then the next thing you know, they're having sex. And it's just like, what? <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. It was just weird, 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 <laughs> you know, um, but you know, there, you know, you found a moment in that scene. That's just kind of like, that was amazing. You know, whatever, if, if there were, if they did use the TV as his dialogue sort of stand in, I mean, that, that, that's pretty yeah, awesome. I, th I genuinely think that that scene was great. Yeah. I thought it was so clever to use, an object to display dialogue that they they're not having, mm -hmm. and that was I I oh I thought it was great when I watched it I thought I wish I could do something like that <laughs> I thought ah <laughs> oh, well <laughs> thumbs down for me but no I did I thought it was great yeah well I mean you you probably can you just have to do it and yeah well I'm gonna do it now good awesome <laughs> <clears throat> um. Yeah. So I, it, and then I think actually before that is when he infiltrates the, uh, the hunters club or hunt hunts club, which Huntley, I can't remember the name of the building, but I think it was a direct reference to the novel, mm -hmm. uh, the hunter, um, when he, uh, 
infiltrates that sneaks in at night. She poses as like, you know, being interested in the guy and goes up to sleep with them as like a sort of smoke screen to get him into the building or not. Actually, that's not the smoke screen, but that keeps him occupied. He calls the police and calls in something that's across the street, which creates a smoke screen to let him get into the building. And <clears throat> so he gets up there pretty easily. Um, there's a few little funny moments like the elevator opening with the little henchmen standing there in front of him, but with their backs turned and then the door's closing as soon as they turn around kind of thing. They don't catch him, but um, he, he, he breaks in to the, to the guy's room, drags him out of bed. His men outside are like, Hey, you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And he does in such a quiet voice, but then instantly the dude starts dragging him into the living room, which isn't quiet. And the guy's like, ur, ur, you know, being loud and stuff. <laughs> and his men don't even like say anything. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe they think it's just like sexy time. You uh, know, yeah. oh, they're making some, you know, if he wants to snort like a pig or whatever, <laughs> oh, so go with it. All right, yeah. So boss, we I can't like, are get you throwing her around the room into objects. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, know. it's the boss. We can't get involved. So let him do it. Mm. I don't know. I thought that was hilarious, though. Just like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then they have the little tussle and he accidentally throws him off the top of the building. Whoopsie. <laughs> and, and on the worst, like, green screen, you know, building fall. Um, but it was still fun. It was it's still a fun, like, moment. I Maybe that's why she was mad at him. Maybe that's why she beat him up, because she put him in. He put her in that position to, like, have to whore herself out to, like, get him in there to get what he wanted sort of thing. I don't know. I, I couldn't connect. I know he didn't even care sort of thing. Yeah. 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 That could have been it, but I don't know. But, you know, and then we progress and, you know, he thinks he's getting his money a couple times and he doesn't, it's just paper and this and that. And then the person he's after or the, the person that's going to give him the money, the, the uh, boss of the guy that he just threw off the building, um, Carter, uh, I guess is going to meet him down by the, you know, reservoir or whatever it is. Give him the money and then he gets shot by a sniper. And that's kind of like, okay, what the hell is going on? Sort of thing. Doesn't explain it until you get to the end of the movie. We get to the end of the movie and we find out this, uh, this guy that's been helping him along this whole time turns out to be a scoundrel. Yeah. Not necessarily a bad guy towards, you know, our, our lead character Walker, but somebody that's using him mm -hmm. to get what he wants and doesn't necessarily give a shit if Walker gets what he wants, other than the fact that he's like, Hey, you're pretty good at what you do. Let's let me recruit you <laughs> kind of thing. Mm. Um, I think his original intention was probably to kill Walker. Like Walker was going to come out, take the money. The sniper would kill Walker, but Walker was smart enough to not show his face, um, you know, and just like leave things be, you know, because I think Walker, I know that there's this pretense through the whole movie that he wants the money. But I think the revenge and taking out everybody was was probably enough for him. You know, at that point um, and probably whatever was in that package was not money anyways, because everybody leaves it behind. Um, and that would have been like, what, the third time there would have been a package filled with paper. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. So I think at that point, he's just like, screw it. I'm not getting my cash. Everybody's dead now. Or maybe, you know, there's a point blank two where he gets to take care of this. What's his name? Fox or, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, uh, but anyway, um, I thought the ending of this film was so beautifully shot. I don't know where they're at in that scene, uh, where the, the guy from, uh, uh what the hell what the heck was that sitcom um archie bunker is that that's who that actor was right i have no idea i played archie bunker okay anyway the um the actor at the end of this movie um you know goes to meet him with the money um and it's in this like sort of courtyard sort of area um it's just so wonderfully shot and lit it's so beautiful and, and i think this is the strong suit of this film um it's I, I just I really loved it from a cinematography standpoint. I just thought it was amazing. Um, and I wish we could see more of that sort of stuff in today's film. Um, 
where they really care about the surrounding, like the, the, the shot choices and the lighting. And that was very, very noir. Like mm-hmm. the end of this film is very noir in terms of style. Um, it was just so beautiful. Um, and that, when I got to that point and, and finished the film, it made me appreciate this film much more than I had previously and made me want to go back and rewatch it and sort of delve in and really pay attention to the nuances and not miss anything. Um, Cause I, I don't care for like the whole sixties drug psychedelic sort of stuff. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't speak to me. I was never into drugs like that and didn't really, you know, it just wasn't part of my culture. Like I didn't grow up on those films either. Um, you know, it was before my time and I can appreciate them. There's definitely ones that I appreciate and like and enjoy and respect. And I think this might end up being one of them, but I, it's not quite there yet Yeah, because I really think that this film for me deserves a second, maybe even a third view. Um, cause there's a lot going on and it's told in such a way that is jarring and makes you know, it, it just makes for a film you really have to, you know, watch, I think, more than once. And that's probably why it didn't do well when it first came out. Um, but I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to give it a shot and I'm going to watch it you know, once or twice more um, before I truly decide. I'm going to give it a rating today, but I really think that needs to happen before I truly give it a rating of like what I've really feel about this film. Yeah, it's very it attacks all the senses. Doesn't it? This film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It really does. And it doesn't, it doesn't do like it, even though it hits on that, like, cause it, like a lot of films become what you would call dated because they have those sort of look of the time. Like for instance, if you look at like a planet of the apes, right. It has like people are wearing bell bottoms and the patent leather and like whatever, you know what I mean? Like the clothing and the hairstyles, things like that. It becomes dated. And this film kind of has that, you know, obviously because it was made in the 60s. But there's there's more there. There is good filmmaking in there somewhere. It's just. It, 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 I just think that the 60s psychedelic sort of thing takes over too much um at least right now anyways like i i would really love like i'm i'm excited at this point to watch the remake too because i don't know i don't really i haven't watched it yet uh, a friend of mine wrote it um but i haven't watched it yet and i want to see it and i want to see what they took from the original um and how they updated it kind of thing it'd be be interesting to kind of to delve into that i'm just i'm trying to figure out right now if the person that I thought I saw is Ryan O'Neill or not? What, like in this movie? Yeah. So when they when like they're in the when he takes her for a date in the weird like fast food place, and there's a couple, and I'm pretty sure it's Ryan O'Neill that sat there like sipping on a milkshake. But I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know. You're going to be happy when we watch the remake though, because it stars uh, Frank Grillo, your, your oh my favorite boyfriend. Gosh, yes. <laughs> I'm going to be, I mean, 10 out of 10 done already. Podcast episode done. 10 out of 10. Frank was amazing. <laughs> uh, Ryan O'Neill is not listed in the credits, but that doesn't mean he wasn't. No, there. I know. But it looks so much freaking like him. It's got to be him. Looks so much like him. It's got to be him. I don't know. <clears throat> Um, so Carly, uh, let's give this movie a rating. Curious, curious what you're going to give this. Oh God, it's hard. It's, this is a very hard one for me because, um, even though I didn't necessarily enjoy the film, Mm -hmm. I very much enjoyed all the processes behind the film. I very much enjoyed uh imagery and and what i don't want to say what they were trying to do because that's incorrect um because they did it it's, uh, it's it's very tricky um I, 
think I'd probably comfortably settle on a seven. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think I'd settle on a seven out of ten. Simply because um, I didn't, I would never watch this film again, but that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I've kind of learned that myself. Like whether you watch a movie again or not doesn't necessarily mean that it was a bad film. Exactly. Um, I would, I wouldn't watch it again, but that doesn't, I, it's not a bad film. Um, I found lots of things that they tried to do with it so interesting and I feel the ambiguity of it is just so interesting um the performances everything like that was on par and I think it's all of them are just are just brilliant I just there's something that I struggle with with it and I can't quite put my finger on it mm-hmm yeah, um, you know, I, I, I don't feel that I can rate this movie yet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a halfway rating. You can't not rate it. Well, I'm going to rate it, but only because I have to. Um, <laughs> because I, I truly feel like I need to watch it more than once. I think I need to watch this like yeah. two or three times. Yeah, I feel like it needs a couple of views to get an accurate. Yeah review yeah. and not because it's like a complicated story i think it's just because of the way that it's been told the time period that the movie took place and having to take that into account yeah. and kind of looking at like as a whole in the bigger picture of it i think i think it you need more time with it mm-hmm. yeah it's one of those films that you need to have a couple of views to truly appreciate all of the as- all of the amazing aspects that went into it and on a first view you don't get them all. right. Yeah. I think you're spending yeah. too much time trying to figure out what the hell is happening yes. that you're, you're missing the subtleties and the, you know, the, the stuff that probably yeah. makes it a great film. And again, I think that yeah. might be why it didn't do well on its initial release. And over the years has become, a, you know, more of a cult kind of film. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, and again, that doesn't necessarily make it a bad film. It just makes it one of those types of films that you need, uh, you know, it, it, it just, it demands more viewing. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. But uh, right now, because of that, I'm going to only give it a five. <gasps> okay. not. But this is not a reflection of the film itself. This is just a reflection of my lack of uh, viewing. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. My, Prowess. Yeah. yeah <laughs> just, I was not a great viewer when it came to this film. I didn't expect what I saw and it threw me off. Like I, when this movie was suggested, I was expecting something to be neo-noir, uh, you know, crime thriller ish sort of thing. Uh, I didn't do a lot of research on the film before I watched it. And maybe I should have because I wasn't prepared for watching it. I really wasn't. I, I turned this thing on and I'm just sitting there going like, what the hell am I watching? What is happening? It constantly is very much an attack of like all of the senses. Right. In in a very strange way. Like you don't, you don't. Which makes also is amazing. The fact that they can like get into every aspect of your senses. Right. So with that being said, I, this, this movie commands my attention. Like I'm going to have to sit down. I'm going to have to watch this again and fully experience it in a, you know, quiet environment that I can really pay attention to it. Um, because it's that it, it has, it just, it just commands that it just, it's something that it needs to happen because I, I couldn't, I can't, I just can't rate it the way it is. If I rated it right now, the way it is, I would say I didn't like it because it was very convoluted and weird and too much of the sixties. But I think it's more than that. I think there's so much more to this movie than that. And I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do that. I, I, I feel like I'm going to end up rating at like a seven or something, or maybe even higher. Um, I mean, Lee Marvin storming down that corridor is freaking terrifying. <laughs> That's at least worth a three out of freaking time. Yeah, he's an interesting character. I, My God. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I just I that's that's where we're at right now, folks. Please don't look at that as like sort of any indication as like whether you should watch the film. I definitely think you should probably watch this film and you know 
most of you have probably already seen it. Um, and you're probably like, what the hell are these people talking about? <laughs> but uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Find out for yourself. Pay attention to it because it's a whirlwind of crazy um, that takes some time to start to you know get a foothold on. Um, and I'm going to rewatch it and maybe I'll give you a little update, you know, down the road after I do that. Uh, but as it stands now, I'm going to give it that middle of the ground five. I didn't like it. Didn't dislike it sort of thing until I can really see it again. Shocking. <laughs> That's two fives in a row for me. <clears throat> yeah. You're being harsh. So, so 39 steps was a real five. This one's I don't consider a real five. I'm just giving it a five just because I have to be middle of the road because because I'm not sure which way I'm going to go with it. Like, I really need to watch it again. <laughs> I feel like it, it deserves a lot more credit for the for for the artistic integrity of it, because they did some amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. They really did. And if it ended up being that it was all a dream. My God, fucking mind blown. Inception. Bug off. This yeah. is brilliant. I don't think it's a yeah. dream, though. I really don't. Like, I look at this I film. Know. It's, but then again, that's possibly the beauty of it is that you don't know. Yeah. you don't. You, there's no way to say one way or the other if it's real or not. And maybe that's the beauty of it. Maybe. I don't know. I say it's not a dream, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe it could be. There's no telling right at the, you know, at this point. I'd have to do some research to see if the filmmakers have ever talked about it in that way. Or uh possibly even read the book um and see uh what the what the book is all about, you know? Wonder how different it is. Uh, also wondering now if the, the remake point blank is uh adapted from the book or the film. It seems like it's very different. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't I haven't watched it yet, so I'm not really sure. But we'll see. I've watched I've watched pieces of it, I would say. But that didn't really tell me anything about the movie, the stuff that I have seen. Um so I don't know. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to dive into that a little bit more. Uh Carlos, thank you so much for uh suggesting the film. Uh we appreciate it and we had we had a fun, weird, crazy time taking a look at it. Um it's uh it's different i i'm i personally just don't think that i would call it a noir i wouldn't call it a neo-noir i would definitely call it a action thriller uh sort of film heist movie even like even though there's no see that's that's very interesting because an awful lot of people will call it a film noir yeah and i see i see why like i i totally get i see why because it's kind of like a genre of crime film it's got cynicism. Mm-hmm. It's got, you know, moral ambiguity. It's got false women. It's got murder. It's got treachery. Mm-hmm. But it just visually, it just doesn't look or feel like a noir film. Yeah, definitely not until yeah. the end for me does it feel noir. Yeah. Like there's very few moments in the film, a little bit at the beginning, uh, you know, uh, the the jealousy factor with the wife and that sort of thing and the double cross mm-hmm. and there's certain little things that sort of have a little bit of a noir feel but then when you get to the end and you've got the shadows and the you know just the pace the the, the style of the movie really changes in that end movie in the in that yeah. end scene um, and that really felt like this could be a noir film um, like it even felt like uh, the third man a little bit like just just the look, just certain little things. But um, overall, this is very 60s kind of film. Uh, it has more psychedelic aspects to it, I think, or at least they overpower any sort of yes. noir film that I feel. Yeah. 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 But, but I get it. I do get it. Uh, there you guys go. Uh, we got a, would you say Carly a seven? Yeah. Seven and a five, which is again, just a rough five. You know, just so I can review it and I'll, I'll, I'll circle back around with you guys and uh, see where we're at with that once I get to see it again. Um, but if you haven't seen it, watch it. Uh, if we're wrong about it, if we don't get it, if we're just, you know, horrible film watchers or whatever, it might, or at least me, because Carly gave it a seven. I uh, gave it a seven. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know what we got wrong. What we don't. To understand. be fair, I was very close to giving it an eight. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was hovering between seven and eight because, again, I appreciate the magnitude of what, what they were, what they were doing. Right. And that kind of overpowers a lot of different things about it. Yeah. No, I mean, I I totally get that. I've been that way with certain films that we've covered as well, and I just. You know, again, you don't necessarily have to really like a movie personally in order to respect the storytelling or, or what they're doing. Um, and that's, you know, it's the beauty of uh, subjectiveness and uh, art, you know, really. Um, so I'm, I'm all for that. <clears throat> all right, guys, uh, there it is. That's Point Blank from 1967, suggested to us by Carlos Estevan. Uh, thank you so much for uh you know, send us a message and suggesting the film. Um, hopefully we didn't uh, stomp all over, you know, your film. <laughs> well, I didn't. Jason might have. Uh, well, I hope not. I mean, again, like I, I said, I just I, I think it's one of those films that uh, it demands. It definitely demands another viewing for me. You know, um, I, I I I can see some great stuff in there. Um, I just want to pay attention to it on a deeper level, connect with it, because um, I really think that it, it calls for that. But again, thank you so much for suggesting the film. We want to hear more suggestions, you know. Uh, what else you guys think is, uh, you know, you consider noir or something you think that we, you know, should cover or you want us to cover because we're going to either be wrong about it or <laughs> or maybe agree with you. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. All right. All right, Carly. Uh, good talking with you again. Um, all right, everybody. And we will uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. this week on the speakeasy noir cast make sure to visit our website resurrectionfilms.net where you can subscribe to the show on itunes stitcher or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show while you're at it if you found value in the show we'd appreciate a rating on itunes or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show that would help us out too if you like the show you might want to check out our book the dark side of acting up available now on amazon or you can check out one of our films available on amazon prime 